get you folks talking because the majority of this is going to be you talking, not so much me. Uh, so from your own experience, why did Jesus come to this earth? Why did the word become flesh? Uh, and then, so I just need one sentence on that and then one sentence on why that's significant to you. Ooh, good one. In fact, does anyone have uh, a bulletin they can lend me for the services? Heavenly Father, whose blessed Son was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. Someone was listening at the earlier service. Well done, Richard. (laughs) So that's a good one. All right. Uh, Why is that significant to you? A um, couple more. To usher in his promised kingdom. Kingdom Yeah. Good one. And, and for you, sir, why is that significant? Uh, because it uh, points not only to a future home, but to a present kingdom right now. Wonderful. Matt, I saw a, a semi hand. What was the plan? The plan for God to become human in Christ, which means that every human being has always been a walking prophecy that one day, the poor Christ, that one day he would take on the same body. And that, I find that a really rich dimension, that the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, before sin, before anything got knocked up, he, he this was... Excellent. Excellent. One more. Yes. This is why I love this church so much. <laughs> it's almost like you guys studied up on all of this already, but I see it's already a part of your experience. Excellent. Excellent. Well, there's uh, yeah. I have a couple of volunteers to pass these things out. Can you, sir? No, no, Rick, you're on that I'll side. See, right. Did you see what I was doing there? Well, it's interesting, the two main quotes that I was going to start with from Irenaeus um, reflects a lot of what we just said. Um, And this is all going to be on your handout. For it was to this end that the word of God was made human. And he who was the son of God became the son of man. That the human, having been taken into the word and receiving the adoption, 
might become the Son of God. And another place he says, following the only true and steadfast teacher, the Word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who did, through his transcendent love, become what we are in order to make us what he is. And again, in Irenaeus is around 180 AD. You have this in Athanasius uh, as you move into like 320 AD or so. Uh, the same type of thought that the, that the Son of God became human so that we can become more and more like the Son of God. Um, and as for anybody else, that kind of a daunting calling. <laughs> um, there are scriptures out there. Um, Here's where the uh, bar has been set. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Uh, that always was daunting to me, reading that uh, as a high school person and later in life. Until more and more the, the word study showed perfection being in the sense of fully functioning the way it was intended. Um, so like there's the perfect apple. It's not, it's not too early picked. It's not too late picked but perfect, and it's, it's solely the apple. Uh, for those that gentlemen that might be into cars, uh, when they're fine-tuning the car and then it's perfectly humming, now the car is going to be able to do what it was intended to do. So in that sense, um, I believe that God's been calling us to do that. Um, Romans eight I'm only going to zip through these because of time. We can look these up. Uh, you've got... Um, I better look it up because I just went blank. Oh, look at this. We don't find this. Uh, but then verse 29. See, there's the rub. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Predestined for what? Into the image of his son. So to be, we've been all been predestined to be formed into the image of his son. So what does that look like? We have a sense of that. There was the reading a couple of weeks ago, Ephesians 5, uh, where it says, Be imitators of God. Again, pretty high bar. Uh, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself a fragrant offering to God. So reflecting the Son is, yes, is, is God's love, God's mercy, but also that sense of self-sacrifice that we see in the Son. So the technical name for this is theosis or theosis, being unified with God, reflecting God's love, mercy, and kindness. Um, we talked a little bit why this was significant uh, for individuals, but in general, um, in fact, this was in our uh, bulletin again. Further on in the prayer, it's almost like Martin set me up for this, which is good. Heavenly Father, whose blessed Son was revealed to destroy the works of the devil and to make us the children of God and heirs of eternal life. Um, 
mean, it's kind of nice to be up on a mountaintop and experiencing all that stuff, but how, why is that significant calling for us as a church today? What is being children of God? I mean, we've got the, the weird images from the 70s of you know, people being children of God and going off and starting communes and all that. Uh, but what does that mean for 2018, 2019? Go ahead, Troy. It means that our lives are just shaped and patterned differently. It means that um, the way that we care about people and the way that we care for each other and the world just somehow marks us as different. Um, Even if people can't put their finger on what that is, but that's part of what we are. Mm -hmm. I guess I would say we're the hopeful people. Mm -hmm. One more? Yes. Irenaeus takes a lot of time to explore uh, the image and the likeness of God. In in some places, he actually separates it out, where you have the image being the actual image. Human beings is the best representation that we have of what God looks like. Um, And then the rational and the free will aspect in that image. But also the likeness kind of picked up on what you were just saying, where you're reflecting more the character and what God is like. Um, uh, I was raised a Roman Catholic, but I came to, I think, true faith through a ministry called Young Life, which is pretty uh, active out here. And the uh, Young Life, Anderson, Cliff Anderson, wonderful, wonderful leader uh, back then. We got to meet his family and got to meet his 16-year-old son who was like uncanny like him in almost mannerisms, walk, and all that. Became even more outstanding to me when I found out his son was adopted. So there wasn't any, you know, physical, uh, you know, blood relation, but he had so much absorbed what Cliff was like. Oh my goodness, you know, he was reflecting that. So I think that's that that, that that's at the core of what we're talking about as well. A little bit of the of the history. Um, Irenaeus most likely was born between 120 and 140 A.D. We don't know for sure. Um, and interesting, you have Jesus, you have John the disciple, you have a disciple of John the disciple, a guy named Polycarp, who um, it looks like uh, Irenaeus studied under for a while. So he studied under Polycarp in uh, Smyrna, which is now in Turkey. Uh, and he became a priest in Lyon, which is southern France. Um, I've been told it's southern France. Is that is that true? Okay. See, I've never been outside the U.S. So. 
There you go. And uh, it wasn't a hop, skip, and a jump way back then. So when uh, he was in Leon, there was a uh, persecution by Marcus Aurelius, and he was sent on a mission to Rome, which back then wasn't a hop, skip, and jump. It meant days, months, years on a trip there. Um, and during that time that he was away, this great persecution came up. Um, and uh, I didn't put these references in what, in the handout, but we can find all these things online. There's uh, Eusebius uh, from like 320 A.D. talks about this persecution, terrible persecution that I won't go into detail with. Um, but uh, that, that happens when he is gone and then he comes back and the uh, bishop, who was 90 years old, uh, had been killed in the persecution. So Irenaeus takes over. Um, so in this nice diocese of Quincy, where everybody nice and orderly gets transferred from one place to another, uh, not so much back then. Um, in fact, to be a Christian in, in that community uh, meant that you were spurned by the entire community, outside community. You weren't allowed in the marketplaces. Um, and if you treated a servant not so well, uh, that servant could go to a magistrate and say, ah, these people are cannibals, these people are terrible, uh, and they're not sacrificing to the emperor. They should be put in jail. And a lot of that was going on. That was kind of the, the milieu of that time uh, with them. So he comes back, and he's very pastoral in that respect, uh, but he also then uh, comes face-to-face with lots of heresies of the time that even the Christians were beginning to twist the faith a bit, and we'll look into that. Um, so he writes his most famous work, which is against heresies, which is this much. Um, there's a summary um, on the apostolic preaching. So uh, Irenaeus, what, it, you know, what is this good news? Uh, they didn't have a uh, four spiritual laws tract, but they had this, uh, which was many pages, very interesting, which we'll unload a little bit as we go along here. Um, unfortunately, um, there, was, there were some other writings that have been lost on the subject of knowledge, on the monarchy, and the one that I wish we could read, um, how God is not the cause of evil. We would love to hear what they said about that in the second century. Um, and then he died probably in 200, uh, 210 or so. Uh, he may have been martyred. We don't know for sure. Uh, he was buried under the Church of St. John in Leon, uh, but later that tomb and his remains were destroyed in 1562 by the French Calvinists. Um, so who is this bishop? He's a bishop that causes, calls us to a deeper knowledge of God. And for him, that's seen as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's always Trinity. Um, in the middle of that... Uh, against heresies uh, volume, uh, he just calls out in this great prayer. It says, I call upon you, Lord, God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and Israel, you who are the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who through the abundance of your mercy was well pleased towards us that we should know you, you who have made heaven and earth, who rules over all, you who are the only and true God, above whom there is no other God, you who by our Lord Jesus Christ gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Give to every reader of this book to know you, that you alone are God, to be strengthened in you, 
and to avoid every heretical and godless and impious teaching. So it's that deep knowledge of God, that deep friendship, that deep, full relationship is the heart of what Irenaeus is talking about. And it's that, I believe, I mean, we don't, we don't meet uh, the type of persecution that they were meeting then. Uh, what sustained them in that time? Well, you can see a lot of that. You can look up Eusebius, and there's, there's a lot of detail. But the, one of the main pieces is that they were strengthened by the Holy Spirit in the midst of it. And that came through the knowledge of God. So how do we get there? How do we uh, grow in that knowledge? Uh, Rich already helped us with one. There's the concept of Christus Victor, where Jesus takes victory over sin, death, and the devil. And then how do we enact that? We act that by faith, which you were already alluding to. So that as these, these things hit us, what is our response? Our response is faith, belief, trust in God's word, and action. He goes into a lot of detail of the parable of tying up the, the, uh, the strong man. And that's, that's what, what Jesus would do. So one of the ways to deal with temptation as it comes is, God, I feel compelled to do such and such. Well, you could say, well, the devil made me do it, and you can run with it. Um, or you can say, Lord, thank you that you have already tied, tied this guy up. This guy doesn't have any power over me. He's tied up. He's nothing. Let's move on. Let's move closer. Thank you for the opportunity to be strengthened by this temptation. It's interesting, too, he says that all that uh, the devil has left is what he had at the beginning, which is to lie and deceive. So so how does that happen? Um, what I did was I thought about this a little bit, and he comes out against, um, in great, great, great detail, Gnosticism. Gnosticism in, this, in uh, that day is very diverse, and again, I'm not a scholar, and I can't tell you the difference between this one and, this one and all that. In general, I can tell you, though, uh, that uh, Gnosticism basically was when you're looking at uh, the world, the flesh, you, your, your, your neighbors, that somehow that's the result of a lesser God or some battle that happened and, uh, and all this world in its essence is somewhat fallen, it's evil so human body, God, get it away from me I'd much rather just ascend to the highest heights okay? and the way that people then would respond in that day, sometimes it would be swung way over here that they would just totally let go of all things that are, that are human uh, and just embrace the, the great ohm or something it wasn't that. Um, or they would go over the other way and just totally indulge. It doesn't matter. This is a totally evil body. I don't, you know, I don't have to control it whatsoever. I'll just let it be. And, and in my mind, I'll be serving this great higher good. So there's this split. And that's what Irenaeus comes, turns out to come against. Um, so some of the lies that might have crept their way back into uh, Christianity um, in the last couple of decades. 
at least bring this to the surface. And then we, you can challenge me on this and say yes, no, or whatever. That's fine. Um, so some of the areas where we see Gnosticism today. Again, if the answer is God's wonderful creation, Jesus renewing this creation, um, what happens? What happens later? Well, different, different thoughts come up. Uh, has anyone ever heard, Jesus is coming back soon? Yes? That's good. So we really don't have to worry so much about the environment. Okay. I don't think anyone in this room has ever said that, but has anyone ever heard that? Okay. Again, so somehow this, this world, this creation, which is God's good creation that we're, we're given the opportunity to be stewards of, some, somehow it gets demoted to this, oh, you know, you just throw it away. No. You come out against that and say, no, this is God's good earth. Jesus is going to come, yes. But let's, let's present to him not only the bride of Christ, but this earth. Again, where Romans says all of all of creation moans to be let loose of the subjugation that it's been put under. It wants to be set free. Um, who's been of uh, a son or a daughter that might have said, um, I hate my body. I wish I had a better blank. A guy that says, oh, I wish I was more like this. Um, you're looking at your body, that which God has given you, that which God has blessed, and somehow it's being rejected. We should pause there. Um, I'm taking a risk on this next one. Um, I am strongly sexually attracted to that person. Surely God is displeased with me. Sexually attraction, sexual attraction is one of God's gifts there in the garden. But somehow it's become tainted in our current environment so that if there's a sexual attraction someplace, immediately it's wrong. Well, no, that's not necessarily the case. Surely God would not have given me this attraction, this is the other end, if he didn't intend for me to act on it. So are we just creation without any... um, structure at all that says that there might be a, a way and another way. Uh, the way this starts off, if, if anyone ever heard of the Didache, the uh, early church document, it basically right off the bat says, well, there's basically two ways. There's a way that seems right to a man that leads to death, it's dark, and then there's the way of light. Um, are we going to have all the right answers on, on these things that I'm talking about? No, not necessarily. But we will work through them together. We will, by the light of his word and his Holy Spirit and his church, we will be able to to come up with a way through this. Uh, Might as well throw them out there. It's okay. God knows that some things are just too hard for me. Uh, So it's okay for me to just indulge my porn addiction Every now and then. It's compartmentalized. It doesn't affect anything else. Well, again, God's good creation is an integrated creation. That there, we're not separate where suddenly this part of me is out here and this part of me is out there. No, uh, it comes together. I was reminded yesterday at the uh, men's uh, Bible study uh, that what's the opposite of remember? Well, forget. Well, one way you could look at it is the opposite is dismember. 
So then when Jesus is calling us that to remember him in the Eucharist, that what he's talking about is bring all these things together. I bring all things together. That's what I do. Uh, two church ones that I found. When Jesus was on the cross and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's when the Father turns his back on Jesus because the Father can't look at sin. Has anyone ever heard that one? Um, well, it's more Gnostic than it is Christian, I think, in that it's saying that somehow God can't look at his own creation. The God who holds all things together, that if, if he chose, everything would be gone in an instant, can't look on something? No, what Jesus does is comes into that humanity and says, it doesn't matter, the worst sin, I am there. I am, I am the God that is with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. So, so God has an answer to these. So how does Irenaeus answer them? Let's jump in. Well, first off, any throw it back at me. Is there any reaction to what I just threw out? Sure. I don't know if you're going to sure. We, we will be hitting on part of that. Okay, then just carry on and, well, that. and part of that is he certainly believes that we're drawn into that. As um, uh, where it says in the word, uh, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. He's already doing the drawing. There's almost a, uh, that where we're going is toward integration. Where we're going toward him. Um, so yeah, we'll, we will... God willing. In the next 10 minutes, not a problem. Go. One of the things about this series is do we have a right to claim these diverse, this diverse spectrum as Anglicans? And that's why we're doing this. And Irenaeus is named in that great litany. And I love how you're weaving that. Yes, we do. He's in our liturgy. And Theosis is right there at the altar. So I, I, that's a fascinating connection here that you're showing us that these ideas are not for some church history seminar, but they're in what we worship with every Sunday. Right. So if, to, to answer you directly, maybe to speed this along too, if you followed through his logic yeah. that, that he does in this, this pamphlet, he first looks at spirit and flesh, how they can't be separated, mm-hmm. um, and that if, if you are just one-sided, there, there, there's a concern. Um, but you're being drawn more and more from the flesh to be more fully human, what he says fully human, which is the full integration of spirit and flesh. Um, But then how does that happen? It's always in the context of the Trinity, and the Trinity is God initiating, being done through the Son, so that the 
the actual handiwork here on earth as it is in heaven is through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that, that, that is over all of these. Uh, but then how does it work through? It's very interesting. You've got to be in church. You've got to have the word. You have to be baptized. Baptism there is, I found out through the study, which is interesting, was actually baptism and adoption that happens through baptism was actually stronger than uh, natural birth because you could, you could do away, you can disinherit uh, someone that's of natural birth. But if you chose to bring someone in by adoption, that's an even stronger bond. So for them, they were seeing baptism as the, f- the first right, and that was establishing the bond of that community to the family of God. And Irenaeus, well... He went through this. This is about two-thirds all scripture that he's talking about. Uh, but he's also drawing on the apostolic tradition. So the fact that what he was saying was backed by not only his words and his interpretation, but by the apostolic succession that would point all the way back to Christ himself. So the sacraments were a big part of that, baptism and Eucharist. Eucharist, again, was evidence that he would shout from the mountaintops that, yes, God is part of this creation. Look, look what we're supposed to remember. Bread taken from the earth, wine taken from the earth, brought together on this earth, and then somehow is now transported, bringing heaven to earth. We're living that out. So if you're in the church, you're uh, being baptized. There's the sacraments. There's the word. Um, and interestingly enough, I ran across, um, there's also spiritual gifts. Uh, for those that said the spiritual gifts, all that stuff ends at when the last apostle dies. Well, this is two generations after that. And he's saying something like this. Wherefore also, those who are in truth his disciples, receiving grace from him, do his name by performing miracles, so as to promote the welfare of other men, according to the gift which each one has received from Christ himself. For some do certainly and truly drive out devils, and there are those who have been cleansed by evil spirits that then frequently believe in Christ and then join the church. Others have foreknowledge of things to come. They see visions and utter prophetic expressions. Others still heal the sick by laying on their hands upon them, and they are made whole. Yea, moreover, as I have said, the dead even have been raised up and remain among us for many years. For what shall I say more? It is not, it is not possible to name the number of gifts which the church scattered throughout the whole world has received from God in the name of Jesus Christ. So, good news. God's still at work. So, and if, again, if you go to the martyrs of Leon and see what happens in this ugly arena. Uh, miracles happen even there. God makes himself known in the most ugly of places. The last part of, of this is it walks you through salvation history. So if you remember the, the martyrdom of Stephen in, the, in Acts, where he goes through uh, from Genesis all the way to the present day, similar to what Irenaeus does. He starts us in uh, Genesis, again, this good earth, 
And is our God one that stays far away from us? No, when he makes you, when he makes me, he goes down into the earth, he forms it himself. And then he breathes on it himself. He breaks into this creation. And he actually manipulates it. So is God alive? It's a resounding yes. Does he care about you as an individual? Yes. Does he care about this earth and the people on it? Yes. Interestingly enough, though, uh, he's got a totally different view of what happens in the garden than what most people think. <laughs> and uh, find out that it's actually supported a lot in the early church. The earliest church, and the way they looked at Adam and Eve, they saw them as more like children. That God created them, and if you think about any creation, there's a beginning where it's small and it becomes big. You start with the, with the seed, becomes becomes the great tree. We've got that diagram for us right back there. Uh, that Adam and Eve being children um, are seen as innocents that are deceived by the devil. The devil gets the worst, according to Irenaeus. Uh, he's, he's guaranteed the lake of fire right off the bat. So um, the rest of that gets, gets worked through. But then what happens, why, why is it important to, to bring that up at this point? He again and again talks about how our calling is a process. And just as you look at all of creation as things grow and they have great, and they're able to handle a greater and greater uh, burden or responsibility, uh, that's how God intended things. And like Matt talked about, Jesus coming on the scene was already a part of it. Knowing that, yes, humankind would come into this world and that they would fail, but then they would know a Savior a savior, God himself coming to be one of them, what was right right from the start. So then that, that drawing that I was talking about, here's another quote. It inevitably follows that what is strong will prevail over the weak, so that the weakness of the flesh will be absorbed by the strength of the spirit, and that the man in whom takes place cannot, in that case, be carnal, but spiritual, because of the fellowship of the Spirit. Thus it is that the martyrs bear this witness, despise death, not after the infirmity of the flesh, but because of the readiness of the Spirit. For when the infirmity of the flesh is absorbed, it, ex- it exhibits the Spirit as powerful, and again, when the spirit absorbs the weakness of the flesh, it possesses the flesh as an inheritance in itself. And from both of these is formed a living man, living indeed, because he partakes in the, of the spirit, but man because of the substance of the flesh. So what we have is man, obviously flesh, being absorbed by the spirit. Again, getting back to the uh, garden then what's lost is because of the devil and this deception yes human beings participate in, in disobedience that part is there as well but it's more he, he stresses it's more of an impatience with God saying that what we want we want it now which again is more childlike than what adults do adults learn to delay gratification uh, become stronger in these things so um, so then what does Jesus do? 
almost all of uh, Irenaeus can be uh, brought together with what he calls re, uh, recapitulation. Boy. But it's it. Ephesians 1.10. For God had allowed to know the secret of his plan, and it is this. He purposes in his sovereign will that all humanity, all human history shall be consummated in Christ, that everything that exists in heaven and earth shall find its perfection and fulfillment in him. So everything on heaven and earth will be fulfilled in him. Uh, the way Irenaeus writes it, for doing away with the effects of the disobedience of man, again, going all the way back to the garden, which had taken place at the beginning by the occasion of a tree. He became obedient unto death, even to death on the cross, rectifying the disobedience which had occurred by reason of a tree through the obedience which was wrought out upon the tree of the cross. So this doesn't happen in some ethernet, you know, way out there in the world or in the spiritual world. Through an actual tree, this stuff happened. Through another actual tree, actual event, the redemption happened. Yes? So what do you do with all this? Uh, well, part of it is, like the name of the work is Against Heresies. Come out against heresies. What's one of the ways to be able to quickly identify some of these heresies? Um, there's uh, Jesus came in the flesh. What's that? If you deny that Jesus came in the flesh. There it is. There's a uh, couple of evangelists that I like, Dan Moeller and Todd White. Um, they say just, you know, put, put Satan's lies in the mouth of Jesus and see how it sounds. Um, so uh, can you imagine Jesus saying, you know what, I am coming back, but don't worry about the earth. Let it, let it burn. <laughs> um, I'm coming back, but you, your behavior really doesn't matter to me at all. Yeah, no. Uh, did, would Jesus say something? Well, look at my body. I can't believe this. Yep. That type of separation from body, flesh, and that, that, that just, just doesn't seem to be there in Jesus. So start there, and then with, with faith, 
uh, de- declare what we're just talking about. Yeah. Jesus, you came in the flesh. Thank you that my flesh is being transformed every day more and more into your likeness. I'm letting go of those things. I mean, just start living the scriptures out. I let go of those things, leave them behind me, and I press on toward all of that. Why? For the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Anybody want to just talk about that for a second? How is the glory of God a human being fully alive? And that's the one he's talking about, if you kept reading. Yes, definitely. What else? This may be the only time this year in this town where that entire sentence has been quoted, not just the first one. <laughs> and the life of the human consists in beholding God. Right. That thing that Adam and Eve wanted, you're finally going to get it. And, it, and it, it's not just, sometimes people quote that without right. the fullness that you're unfolding. Right. And God itself is, again, Trinity. Where you're seeing that relationship, and I probably haven't stressed that enough, that what he was talking about is, why do we look at Trinity? Because of relationship. Why does God want to be with us? Well, being God, he's all about relationship, and then he wants to be in relation with his creation. And that relationship is what uh, informs all the stuff you're talking about in your fight against sin, not use and don't. Right. I'm letting go of this because this tells me not to. Or I'm letting go of this because I love this so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish I could keep reading all this. Um, the, uh, the last page that I'm quoting there is looking at allowing God, the Father, the one that knows you far better than you know yourself, be the one to sculpt you, be the one through, the, through his spirit to be able to form you, to say yes to that formation. Um, I think that's part of what we're saying. For God does not use compulsion upon anyone unwilling to accept the exercise of his artistry. Free will is a big part of this. He said, you know, gaze upon his beauty, gaze upon his, his, his son, gaze upon his creation, and then choose to be made by that maker. Um, then lastly, Luke 19.10 said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I always used to see that as just me. I'm, I'm the lost sheep, yes. I'm the prodigal son, yes, yes. I'm definitely lost. Thank you. And that's, a, that's definitely a part of that. But he's talking about that which was lost as well. The image of God that we let go of. The, um, 
that that which was lost, that loving relationship that we had with the Father, all of those things, the, the great, how, how, what I believe as Hebrews says, is so great of salvation that we have in Christ that we can once again find through him. That's it. Thank you.